If you'll turn to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter number 17, and um, start here. I've got several verses I want to turn to uh, this morning, to, so you pray for me. I, I generally like to stay in one place. I get have a tendency to get more scattered the more I scatter throughout the Word. So you just pray, God help me. And um, this morning I want to be a blessing to you. And um, this matter of the resurrection is... Um, you try, you know, you don't, you don't try to come up with something new necessarily, but um, just looking at things a little bit different. Uh, there is nothing new. So I won't be preaching anything uh, factually new to you or surprising to you uh, if you're saved and been in church any length of time. Uh, but this is a um, uh, joy just uh, as I thought about this this morning, um, I thought about this one word that the resurrection um, gives to us, and that is hope. Um, resurrection gives me hope. Uh, the fact that Christ is raised from the dead gives me hope. And hope in a lot of areas in, in my life personally, and so I, when I mean that, I mean for all the redeemed of the Lord, uh, you and I have hope today because Jesus is alive. And um, he shall always be alive. And, um, you know, that is the, the, one of the constant themes uh, that sometimes when we reference the cross, or the blood and these various things we always are depicting in our mind uh, his being delivered for our offenses, his death. Uh, but the gospel is not just his propitiation, his payment and his sacrifice of blood. It's also that he was buried and he rose again and he's alive forevermore. For if that were not so, you would yet be in your sins and what I'm doing this morning would be vain according to the Bible. And so Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And so we'll look at Acts chapter 17, start here. And I thought of two different things. I'm going to uh, give you this outline as uh, short as I can uh, and just uh, look at number one. The first uh, thing I'll give you uh, is what is resurrection means. Uh, and then I'll narrow it down under each one of those headings and talk about what it means to us individually. Uh, so the first thing I want to look at is a negative, uh, and, and uh, you got to have a negative with a positive, Brother Mitchell said, or you don't have no power. Uh, and you say, well, how is the resurrection a negative? Well, it can be a negative thing to some. The resurrection states something. Look at Acts 17 and verse number 29. Let's start there. Well, we can't miss verse 28, can we? For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven art by man's devices. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And verse number 31, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. There goes, there goes this don't judge stuff, doesn't it? Right out the window. Well, he, he didn't come to judge. You better believe he didn't because there's appointed a day in which he is going to judge. 
and that wasn't the day that he came. When he came and took upon himself the form of a man, for death came by man, and so shall life, and he condemned sin in the flesh. He was not coming to condemn uh, or to judge. But there is a day, according to verse 31, that he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. So let's read that again. Because he hath appointed a day, God had said in the previous verse, he's commanded all men everywhere to repent. Because you, uh, they need to repent because God has appointed a day in which he will judge this world in righteousness. Right? By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives assurance to everybody that the judge is alive. And he will judge this world by him who he raised from the dead. And so my first point is this, to uh, all the world, now this is the, the lost world, to you and me, uh, we also have a judgment seat in which we'll stand uh, uh, to answer for the deeds done in our body and our works, whether they be good or bad. Uh, but this is being spoken of here is to the lost world. This is to the lost folks. If you're here this morning, you're not saved, and you see us rejoicing in the fact that our Savior's alive forevermore, and behold, I have the keys of hell and death, and, and so as he lives so shall we always live and we rejoice as Christians in those great truths. If you're unsaved, uh, here's what God uh, has made evidently clear to you by raising Jesus from the dead is that there's a day that that same Jesus he raised from the dead uh, he is going to judge you by that same man whom he hath raised. So he has given some assurance to this world that judgment is coming. And so my first point is this, uh, the, the, the uh, resurrection of Christ proves a pending sentencing. There is coming a day in which God in righteousness will judge you uh, by his dear son. And uh, so Jesus is alive and that's wonderful for me. But if you're unsaved, it's not such a good thing for you in the sense of judgment. Uh, because the one you've offended, the one you've sinned against, the one uh, that uh, you have by wicked hands taken and slain and crucified the Lord of glory, that Lord, that Savior is alive forevermore and he'll be alive in the last day to judge you for your sin. Right. You say, well, that's not a very uh, heartwarming message on Easter Sunday. Well, I didn't put it in the Bible. God did. And he said he gave assurance unto all men that he's going to judge this world. And so this ought to be a reminder to you and me and an urgency to you and I that are saved uh, to get this gospel into the lives of people because there's a judgment coming. The same Lord raised for our justification and in, in him we live and move. That same Lord is going to judge this world, right? And there's a pending sentencing. Now that's about all the negative that I have this morning for you. But that's a pretty serious negative, isn't it? God has appointed a day. He will judge this world in righteousness. And he'll do that by the man that he has ordained, given assurance to everybody, and that he raised him from the dead. 
And that's a scary thought if you're unsaved, that the holy, righteous God of heaven and he who died so that you could have life is alive to judge you and will meet you in judgment. That's a scary thought. I don't know about you, before I got saved, that weighed heavenly upon my mind. This Savior that, that I have as a Savior now, and I've laid hold of a Savior now, He's also Lord. God has made this same Jesus Lord in Christ. Acts chapter 2. And so if you're here this morning and you're unsaved, as, uh, we're going to talk about a few more things. I'll move quickly that are just wonderful things about the resurrection of Christ. But I want you to remember uh, that while it's a wonderful thing to those that believe on Him, to those who remain in unbelief and this risen Savior will be judged by that same one. Why would you want to meet the Lord in that kind of judgment? Now, Get the doom and gloom off your face and let's put a smile on and look at the good things. Here's the positive side of things. So there's the negative and uh, that's the negative to the lost world is that the resurrection gives assurance of judgment. And uh, so uh, now that's the pending sentencing uh, that the resurrection proves there is a pending, pending sentencing. That's what it means. Now it means to me and it means to you that are saved uh, that we can live fearless. Now, uh, give me just a moment and I'll uh, go with me um, to Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 15. We'll turn to these verses this morning so that we can see them um, uh, from the Word. Of course, you all know them very well. Uh, but in case you're not saved and uh, you're thinking about this matter of salvation, uh, this will help you this morning to read these from the Word of God and uh, see that, number one, there is a pending sentencing. But to those that are redeemed, you and I can live fearlessly. And so what do you mean by that? Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 15. The Bible said, uh, well, look at verse 14. As much then as the children partake of flesh and blood, he hath also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. That through Christ's death he destroyed him that had the power of death. Right? And so that's what it said in verse 14. Verse 15 says this. And that is the devil, and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I'm telling you, if there's been anything that has been brought more real to my life, uh, is, it, it, is, it is the fear and the bondage that death brings. So I can live fearlessly this morning, Stone. When I say that, uh, I, I've, seen, uh, I've seen a lot of those bumper stickers, you know, no fear. Uh, well, if you're unsaved, you better have a lot of fear. And number one, there's a judgment coming to you. But when you're saved, I can live and serve God without fear. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me. I've seen people, it's happened to the best of us. I've seen this COVID thing and this fear of death strike such bondage and fear into the heart of even even saved people. It's even gotten me concerned. I've even thought about it. Who is wanting to die? I want to live with my family. I want to carry on some time. Uh, but there's not a fear of what's going to happen to me when I do die. I know whom I have believed and he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. What did I commit to him? My whole life I committed unto him. I committed to him everything. And he'll keep that that I've committed unto him against that day. There'll be no worry for me in the day of judgment. 
I'm not going to have to wait till I die to find out whether or not I'm going to heaven. I know right now, this morning, beloved, now are we the sons of God. I am saved, redeemed, and rejoicing in the goodness of God now, and I don't have to wait to get to heaven to find out. I'm saved now. I've trusted my life to him now, and he's delivered me from the fear of death, which brings bondage. You all know what I'm talking about. Uh, just this little virus has brought the brought more bondage into the lives of people absolutely scared to death they're going to die. And now that's me and you who are saved and know we're going to heaven. Wonder what happens to the lost world who has no assurance that God is going to keep their soul safely in him. How, 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 how are them that are unsure that in the day of judgment God is going to find them not guilty? God is going to declare them righteous. What about those that are surely they're afraid to die? I'm telling you before I got saved I was scared to death to die because I knew if I died I'd meet God unholy and unrighteous and God put me in hell. You got to fear God about you this morning. I hope you do. You ought to fear God because if you die lost without Jesus, there's no hope for you in the afterlife. There's no purgatory to pray you out of. You will immediately wake your eyes in the pits of the damned if you die lost without Jesus. And you're smiling now, but you won't be smiling when you're burning alive and never consumed. Won't be nothing to smile about then when you think it's funny now. There'll be nothing funny when you're screaming wanting somebody to give you a little drop of water to put on your tongue and God is rejoicing in the smoke of your torment that ascendeth into heaven. That's what your Bible said in Revelation. Say, I don't believe in a God like that. Well, you can be an unbeliever if you want to. It's what your Bible said. Right? It's not funny this matter of hell. Jesus was raised, was dead, uh, gave him himself a ransom for you. He's, he has died, he was buried, and he rose again that you might have life. It won't be necessary for you to go to hell, but, he, but there is certainly a hell just as real as there is a heaven this morning. And, uh, and all those that were in fear and in bondage to that fear, do you remember what it was like before you got saved? Being in fear of being bound to, you, you, you were in bondage, you were slaves to that fear that you were going to die and what was going to happen to you. What brought that about? The consciousness of your unrighteousness, didn't it? The fact I was unholy, the fact that I was unrighteous put a, a, a bondage, a fear, a doom, a pending doom that at the judgment that I would meet God and God find me guilty. Are you concerned about that this morning? I'm, I'm telling you, you're looking at one preacher that's not concerned about it this morning. How about you? You got a, you got a smile on your face this morning? You might be, uh, like I said earlier, you might be a sorry, about the sorriest one in here. And I think we would take, probably have to battle for that last place spot. Uh, but if you think you deserve it, then so be it this morning. But you ought to still have a smile on your face if you're born again. Because uh, uh, God has raised Jesus from the dead. And if God ever accepts you, it'll be on the basis of his son and not you anyhow. Right. right. 
And so I'm not living in fear. Uh, I, I'm not living of this uh, uh, horrible, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a slave bound uh, to this fearful uh, uh, um, uh, thing called death because I know that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And I know that because Jesus Christ is seated in the heavenlies by the right hand of the Father now and he said, there where I go, there you may be also, right? And where he is, I am. He's my life. And I'm not in bondage and and scared and fearful. Now, I'm fearful about what death's going to be like. Because the way I've lived, it probably won't be I'll close my eyes and then wake up in glory. I have a feeling there'll be probably multiple kidney stones on my way out, Brother And I'm joking about that because I don't even know that that's true. We don't die the same, do we? Saved people don't die like lost people do. There's a old grave where is I victory, death where is I sting. Jesus Christ by his resurrection from the dead has given you freedom from the bondage that death has produced because you are afraid to die. See, I know in myself even, when you start thinking about this COVID matter and this little virus that the world's absolutely gone insane over, uh, this super point. 03 deadly virus, point oh, what is it, 0.3% chance of dying at this point. It's extremely deadly. I'm not trying to make light of it, folks, but wouldn't you have to agree that I think the media's played us a little bit with that? They've toyed with our emotions a little bit. And we're absolutely scared out of our wits. What are we scared of? What are you afraid of, my friend, dying? I wonder why you're afraid to die. You're afraid to die because you're not right with God? So, brother, boy, I'm saved, but I'm not ready to die because I know I ain't living right. Well, why are you living that way? Why don't you just do what the Bible said? You have an advocate with the Father and just get right with God. Right? No reason for you to live that way. Now, hey, I'm not seeking it. I'm not belittling that. I'm telling you, there's a, there's a lot to worry about. I, uh, uh, your health, and, and you don't want to die. You love your family, and you'll see them. But at the end of the day, you and I can have a peace of knowing for sure uh, that we don't have to fear death because I that believe, you and I that believe on Jesus shall never die. Right? Depends on what you mean by death. Right? I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. Say, well, I believe. Let me, let me look here just a little bit further than this. You, you can live fearless and not have to fear death. This judgment that brings fear to those that are unsaved, you and I can live above that fear and live in joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I tell you one thing we're missing the Bible talked about those, those uh, our early fathers. You know, the Bible said they live and they love not their lives unto death. You know why we're so afraid to die? Because we love our lives too much. The Bible said we're supposed to be crucified to this world and the world crucified to us, but we love the world too much. Right? We live so unspiritually and so carnally. We live so worldly. We're so attached to this world we don't want to let it go. Right? We love our own lives. All of us are guilty of that. 
to some degree or another. And so you know where peace is found? Peace is found not in, not in uh, uh, catering to that kind of uh, natural fear that's in your flesh, not to catering to that, uh, but to rising up to the point where you can say that I don't have to love my life, even if it means bringing death to me physically, that I want to live for Jesus no matter whatever that brings to me, just whatever pain that brings to myself, I'm just going to live for God. Right? That's where you find peace. That's how you rise above that. Is, uh, 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 are, you, are you saved this morning? Come on now. Are you saved? Say amen to that. Amen. All right. If you're saved, this Bible said that if you close your eyes over here, you will immediately wake up in the presence of God. So why in the world are you going around with a mully grub and mad at the world and mad at everybody else? You go into Walmart without a mask and see how far you get for somebody just smart. Ah, you're going to kill all of us. You're so worried about it because you're afraid to meet God. Right? Now again, I'm not belittling that. I'm not looking to check out of here any quicker. I'm not looking, I'm not looking to go jump in the car and get going about 80 down I-40 and take my hands off the wheel. I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm, I'm talking about that we're able to overcome that natural fear that's in our flesh when we lay down at night and be at peace and say, you know what? All right, Lord, I have got to at least come to this place in my life that I might very well die. Right? We need the sentence of death in ourselves. Don't we? Come on now. Uh, well, and people say, well, uh, I, I've heard Bible-believing Christians it's funny that, uh, that COVID only lives at church. It's only passed around at church. You see them at Walgreens. You see them at the Mexican restaurant. You see them at family reunions. You see them at Dollywood. You see them everywhere else. But church is way too dangerous. You have been deceived. <laughs> you need to turn Fox News off and open your Bible and come on back to church. It's time to come on back, isn't it? If it's safe enough for you to go to Walmart and Walgreens and Dollywood, it's safe for you to come to Herman Baptist Tabernacle. Right. You know what's wrong with some people? They're just afraid. They're scared to absolute death. And the enemy has used that fear and played on your fear. Don't let him do that. I'm not scolding anybody for being afraid of the act of dying. Being afraid of losing and not being able to see your family in the flesh. There's a lot that has to rise above that. That's natural in your flesh. That's natural. That's that, that, that bondage that all their lifetime, the Old Testament say, but you and I have been given a hope by the resurrection of Jesus and we can rise above that fear and say, yes, this might happen. Yes, that might happen and I don't want it to. And I'm going to do all I can to avoid it. And uh, uh, because God gave me a brain and I'm going to use it and I'm for that 100%. Y'all know what I mean when I'm talking about hopefully this morning, unless you just already have something bad towards me and then I couldn't convince you anyway because I think that's pretty much proven by your big mouth. Amen. Come on, don't die on me. So some of you I won't never convince. But hopefully you know enough about me to know that I'm not attacking me. What I'm trying to say is you and I have a hope that we can rise above all those fears. Right? By the resurrection of Jesus, I don't have to live miserable and destroy my Christian life being scared to death that I'm going to die. Newsflash, you are going to die. <laughs> you can't avoid it. The only hope you've got is to be in Jesus and you won't die in the sense of this world. But you, but, but see, I have to believe this. We are dead, right? The body is dead because of sin. So I'll be changed. 
separated from this corruptible body. <laughs> so even in that change, there'll be a dead depending on how you want to describe the word. So what I'm ex- trying to exhort you this morning is, you know what? Because I'm going to tell you, I've had just as much fears as you have. Can I share something with you so nobody thinks I'm attacking them? When I got that COVID and my, my blood pressure run 200 and something over a, nearly almost 120, it was, 100, it was well, almost 115, I think it was, I can't remember now. It was way up there for three days and I couldn't get it down. I sat down on my bathroom floor and started crying. My, my, my being was so panicky where my blood pressure was going wild and I didn't know, all you hear is on the news media, you're gonna die if you even come near it. They put fear in us, right? And so uh, uh, I'm not attacking anybody. I was sitting there and I thought, well, Lord, <laughs> I mean, I, it, I, it's, not, it's not the dying part. It's the not knowing. If I'm dying, just tell me I'm dying. That'll be fine. I'll tell the kids bye and, uh, they, and uh, uh, kiss Amber on the forehead and I'll go on home. <laughs> but it's just not knowing that's bothering me. <laughs> And I got to sit there just, I mean, overwhelmed and consumed uh, with the suffering and the flesh and worrying about dying. And I finally just had to get to a place to rise up and say, well, you know what? If I do die, I'll be with Jesus. And you know, and that just helped. It's not that the fear went away, uh, but, but I was able to rise above it somewhat and just, uh, uh, just remembered where my hope is. God raised Jesus from the dead and the same power that raised him from the dead is living in me and he'll raise me incorruptible as well. Rise above all that fear. This world operates on fear and God wants us to be able to serve him without fear. You afraid of the judgment? You don't have to be. Get born again. Had to worry about judgment then. Hallelujah. The great white throne judgment when he judges this world in righteousness by that man who's appointed to give assurance unto all men. The only person, you'll see me there, but I'll be there as a spectator. And I'll just be witnessing to Jesus' righteous judgment saying, amen, true and righteous are thy judgments, O God. But I won't be being judged because God judged my sins in the body of Christ, nailed them to his cross, taken them away, buried in the heart of the earth days and three nights, and rose without sin. And that's why the Bible said to them that look for him a second time, will he appear without sin? Why? Because the first time he had the sins in his body, he took them to the heart of the earth. And when he was raised, he was raised without sin. So when I see him again, the sin question's over. When I look for him to appear a second time, he'll come without sin. There's the sin question in Clint Boyer's line has been judged in Jesus and I'll never stand to answer for. Risen from the dead, raised to walk in newness of life. So you and I also raised incorruptible can walk in the newness of life. Hallelujah. Wanna wanna get out of that fear? Get in Jesus. We can live fearless in this pending sentencing. Now, I took too much time here. Can I say this? The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that his payment was sufficient. Turn with me to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter number 15. Isn't this wonderful? Aren't you glad? You serve a Savior that's alive today. Wouldn't you hate to serve a dead, uh, a dead 
so-called savior that you had to prop up and put on the counter and be careful, make sure the kids didn't knock him over when they was playing tag through the house. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I don't have to prop my Savior up. He props me up. Amen. He's alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Let me say this quickly. I'm, I'm going to give you this just because, uh, uh, but uh, a man, I read this uh, last night, and just uh, not that it adds anything to it, because this, this matter of, of Christ's resurrection is not mythological, it's historical. This is uh, uh, what this man said I thought was really well uh, put. Uh, Dr. Simon Greenleaf, and evidently the greatest authority on legal evidences in, in the 19th century, after examining the evidence of the resurrection, said that any cross-examination of the eyewitness testimonies recorded in Scripture would result in an undoubting conviction of their integrity, ability, and truth. This is historical fact that Jesus was dead and he was alive. That's a fact. And it means a whole lot for me. It means that I can live fearless in light of appending sentencing. And it means I can live forgiven in light that his payment was sufficient. Look at Mark chapter 15 if you're with me. And I won't go quickly here. Start in verse 36. I'll cut some of this out. There's more of that I wanted to read just because it's so good, but we got to go on. Verse number 36 says, And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar, put it on a reed, and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. Boy, there's just so much. <laughs> well, verse 39, I want to focus. And when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said this, Truly this man was the Son of God. And that's uh, Mark chapter number 15. Let's turn with me now, if you would please, to Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter 1, this introductory part that we've been in for some time, says Paul, servant of Jesus, called to be an apostle, separated the gospel. Verse number 2, which he had promised before with his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So, this in Mark chapter 15, a man saw him and saw that this was a man. Jesus was perfect man and perfect God. When he saw that this man that was hanging upon that cross was able to cry out and lay his own life down, nobody in the world has that kind of power. Go ahead, just, just speak the words and, and, and kill yourself. Just with your words. Father in my hands, we're not spirit, and just fall over dead. Let's see if somebody do that. I ain't seen none of these quacks on TV pull that job yet, have they? They already declared that COVID was no longer a problem. We see what kind of liars they are. They rebuked with their prayers. But Jesus Christ, when they saw this man, he said, 
gave up the ghost. He said, surely this man was the Son of God. And here Romans, the Bible said that God has declared him to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. So, this resurrection of Christ from the dead, the foundation upon which our great Christian uh, uh, beliefs all hit, uh, uh, revolve around this, this great uh, uh, payment that was made, the sacrifice that was made on our behalf and for our justification. The Bible says that he was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And so God declared him to be. Man has witnessed to the fact that he is. Why is that important? Because the man hanging on that tree that made a payment for my sins was not just a man. Right? It was God himself. Ben was talking about that today. Everything that God demands of you, he's provided for you in the person of Jesus. God demanded you to be perfect. You couldn't be perfect. He provided it in the person, in his own self, uh, by giving his only begotten son into this world and provided perfect righteousness for you in the person of Jesus. God requires it of you and he gives it to you in the person of Christ. Anything God requires of you, he's given to you in Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so he demanded righteousness. You're unrighteous. We saw in Romans, uh, we're all unrighteous. And he demands a righteousness you can't produce. He produced it in himself. And now he can place you in his son and count you righteous. Raising him from the dead, declared to be the son of God. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus Christ was more than a man. He was God himself. So my payment was sufficient, uh, not just because in what happened and that he did shed his blood, but in the quality of the one shedding the blood. It was the son of God that died for you. Man, that'll, that'll excite you some, won't it? You get to thinking about Jesus dying for you. It's one thing uh, to be excited about somebody dying on your behalf. Who Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. For a righteous man, uh, scarcely would one die. Uh, hey, but for an ungodly, unrighteous, unholy man, who in the world would die for him? <laughs> Jesus did. That God commended in his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. And so the payment was sufficient. And there's more verses I'd like to go to. Can we turn to Acts quickly? We got to read these. If you knew how many verses I had to whittle out, you wouldn't be upset about turning to a few. You get to looking at the resurrection and it is all through this Bible. You got to whittle them out to really get to Acts chapter number two. One of the greatest messages ever preached by a human. And the entire theme of this message is the resurrection of Christ. Acts chapter number two. Let's just read a little bit of it because we came to look at verse uh, uh, oh man, we got, there is so much that we could, I don't want to do that. You men of Israel, I may skip through some of these, okay? Acts chapter number 2, verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you. As ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. 
For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. This, he's going to get into Psalm 16 here. For he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice. My tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Why is that, David? Why should, I, why should our flesh rest in hope? Because Jesus is raised from the dead. Because thou will not leave my soul in hell. <laughs> he's going to raise him from the dead. That's why you can rest in hope. <laughs> Hallelujah. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one. Capital. Everybody got a capital H and a capital O? Holy one. To see corruption. Thou hast made known to me thy ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with, with thy countenance. Men and brethren. I'm going to freely speak to you. The patriarch David. He's dead and buried. And his sepulcher with us unto this day. Therefore being a prophet. Knowing that God has sworn an oath to him. That of the fruit of his loins according to flesh. He would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing this before. Spake of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul was not left in hell. Neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up whereof we're all witnesses. <laughs> well, I could just I could just go on and on here. We don't have time, but I want to move on to one of the main points that I've got here. Uh, and uh, he said, David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. So we know his payment was sufficient. God accepted, was satisfied with the propitiation, with the payment uh, that was made by the sacrifice of himself and he is approved of God raised and seated at the right hand of the majesty on high till his enemies be made his footstool a dead man don't need a footstool Jesus Christ was literally raised in his body right a spirit doesn't need a footstool right come on now now well I don't want to go down that road We'll get sidetracked. Now, we got to move quick. So his payment was sufficient. And now I can live forgiven. So I don't have to live fearless. I mean, I don't have to live in fear. And I can also live without a condemning conscience of sin. I can live forgiven. Christ Jesus was raised for our justification. And though Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many... To them when we look a second time, we appear without sin unto salvation. That was Hebrews that we looked at earlier. Now, what all does that mean? Well, I can live without fear of death because I know where I'm going. And that will give you a certain peace. and wait. I'm talking about living down here. But I can live down here. I can live a life that's forgiven. You know why some people are so miserable and they go down through life? Because they bear their sins on themselves. That's why David said, my iniquities, they've gone above my head. They're too heavy for me. And when you're under that load of, of guilt and condemnation and sin, that's a miserable way to live. Your conscience condemning you unless you've seared it. The conscience won't save you, but you can't get saved without it. Don't sear your conscience. But you got this conscience of sins and you know you're guilty. That's why, that's why they were in fear, all the, afraid to die. Because they could not live forgiven. My sins were always, uh, they're, they're ever before me, he said. That's the consciousness of sin. Well, what did the Bible say in Hebrew? That Christ, the blood of Christ, shall purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. There's no more conscience of sins. 
So I might in my flesh remember that I have sinned, but God has chosen not to remember my sins against me anymore, and Jesus is raised from the dead, and I can live just as holy and incorruptible as he did. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't you like to live forgiven? I'm, I'm ramping it up here. I got just a few more points I'll give them to you. Wouldn't you like to live forgiven? Even, even, even being saved and you sin, you know what kind of heaviness that brings into your life, don't you? I think that's what's wrong with most of us. We don't come in ready to worship because we are loaded down with our sin. That's what's wrong with a lot of us. And some of it needlessly. That the Bible said He's made a way that we could just repent. Right? But we still come in carrying them all on our own shoulders like we're going to do something with them. You couldn't atone for them the first time. What do you think you're going to do with them now? You're going to just destroy yourself because of your sin? You're welcome to if you want to. But God destroyed Christ for him. Why would you do that to yourself? That's a holy thought to think about. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He allowed men to do it, but God's the one that did it. It's just like Jonah. Jonah said, the only hope you got of this storm calm is you're going to have to put me up there and throw me over. <laughs> he let them do it to him, right? That's what Christ, they, by wicked hands they slayed him. But he said, no man taketh my life, I lay it down freely. No man took it from me, right? He had power to lay it down, power to take it again. So why would you, if it pleased God by his stripes were healed to bruise his son, why would you needlessly carry the guilt and the shame and the misery of your sin when God put it on Christ? Please don't use that as an excuse for, but hey, you'll destroy yourself trying to carry sin around. It'll destroy you before you get saved, and it'll destroy you after you get saved. Christ Jesus is the answer for sin. His resurrection allows me to live forgiven. <laughs> now, we'll give you these couple of points before we we'll go home. His resurrection, we looked at the pending sentencing. It proves his payment was sufficient, and also proves his power to spread and sustain life. Look with me in John chapter 5. There's a lot of these. I don't think we're going to have time for it. It's already time to go. I, I can't really do that to you. Boy, the book of John just has so much to do with his resurrection as well. I don't know how we can. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And uh, turn with me now because I want to. Uh, I want to get just a couple of these. Since we're in John, I'll give you the ones that are in John. Okay, John chapter 10. You're in verse, chapter 5. Go to chapter 10, verse 18. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. <laughs> no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And there was a division among the Jews. It always was talking about the resurrection. Go on over one chapter to chapter 11. 
Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. <laughs> Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Boy, that's enough to preach. Just with, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? If there's not some comfort to you today, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Remember when he told him, he said, don't marvel at this. There's coming a time when the, those in the grave shall hear the voice. Now, if he was still dead, he couldn't speak, could he? But this dead sinner heard this raised and risen, resurrected Savior 13 years ago. This one that died 2,000 years ago is just as alive today to call you forth now and raise you unto life. The dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. <laughs> and now he's calling. Are you listening? He's calling those that are dead in sins to be raised to life. Do you hear the voice of him calling? Boy, I did. Wasn't that a blessed day? Though I was dead, yet shall I live. Boy, he was trying to teach her something a lot more than that resurrection of the last day. Now, we were in John chapter number 11. Let's end things in 1 Corinthians 15. Can't avoid that scripture. Just We won't do the whole thing here, but most of you know these. 1 Corinthians 15. All that Christ's resurrection means to me. It proves a pending sentencing that I can live fearless. It proves his payment was sufficient so that I can live forgiven. And it proves Christ has the power to spread and sustain life. And so that means to me personally that I will live forever. Amen. And I shall never die. Amen. I'm like Billy Kelly said, they roll me down here in a casket if y'all still have me. And they let me use the church to bury my It'll be in shape then because I started that diet. But when they bury that fit, in shape body down here in that casket, I hate that y'all laugh at that. And they put Romy down here. And like Billy Kelly said, he said, uh, uh, don't, don't tell people that I'm dead. I'm more alive than I've ever been. I will never die. Do you believe that? And believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead. And I'm in him. I'm telling you, we are, we are going to live forever. Now, that's a blessed truth. 1 Corinthians 15 has got full of that. I don't really think we have the time because it's time to go now. But it says this, in this life only, we have hope in Christ. Then we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. A first gives way to a second, doesn't it? He's the first among many brethren. He might have been the first that raised from the dead, but he's not the last. Amen. Amen. I believe this just as sure as I'm up here and as positive as I will not start a diet tomorrow. <laughs> I am as sure of that as anything I know is that I am going to live forever. Amen. What a thought. 
That'll help you rise above this suffering down here. I don't want to drag it out here, but that's a great truth we can all rejoice in. But can I say this, just, just to uh, kind of close things out. I've just got two things. First uh, Thessalonians chapter number 4, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll read this to you as we turn there. But not only will I live forever, what His resurrection means, that Christ has the power uh, to sustain and spread life. It means that I will live forever, but it also means that I will live forever with family and friends. Brother Jones, I'm not the only one that's going to live forever. And here's what I thought about this morning as I was sitting there and I was watching that sun come up. I was thinking of this 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And can I just, just read it to you? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And you know what I got to thinking about, Brother Reed? I got to thinking this morning that uh, some glad day I know that I will close my eyes over here and I'll wake up in the presence of the Lord. I know that. And whom I, like Job said, uh, whom my eyes shall behold and not another, I know my Redeemer liveth. Right? I know that. I know He liveth and I know in my flesh I shall see God. I know that in the person of Jesus. I know that. I'm persuaded of that. But that's not the only face I'm going to see. Them that have slept before with him, will God, will Christ bring with him? And I got to thinking as I was looking out through there, I thought, man, as soon as this corruption uh, uh, falls and I'm raised and incorruption and mortality puts on immortality and we hear that trump of God if we're alive before he comes and we hear the trump of God and those that are raised first, we don't prevent them. I'll caught, be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, but that's not the only one I'll meet. I'm not the only one I'm going to meet. Can I try to help you a little bit? There's, a, there's, another, there's another man who's going to be uh, 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 not going to be hobbling along when I see him. There'll be a man who will have his face, will be shining and rejuvenated uh, 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 instead of the uh, uh, sorrow of sin and worldliness. I'm going to, when I'm raised to see Jesus, I'll also see a man. I got to thinking about Brother J.C. Nelson, Brother John. A man that used to sit right back here who's asleep in Jesus. I'm telling you there's coming a day when I just won't live forever, but I will live forever with family and friends. I'm going to see J.C. Nelson. I, I miss his amens to this day. Miss his prayers to this day. Miss his voice today. Him standing back here with his arms raised for Jesus. But I'm telling you, I am going to be raised and he's going to be raised and I'll meet him in the air. God, Christ is going to bring him with him. And I'm telling you, Brother Gary, we're not going to see a frail, beat down, broken body when we see him. I'd say his face will be shining. Just, I don't know what it's going to I don't know what it'll be like. But I know, I, I know it'll be similar to his resurrected body. Do you believe that? There's a lot to be down about. And I've given you, see, you can live now forgiven. Can I just remember, you can live fearless without fear. You can live forgiven. You can live forever. And you can live with family and friends. And I, I thank God for that great truth. We don't sorrow as others with no hope. But his resurrection gave me hope that I'll see him again. Well, I hope that I'm, I, I'm done. It's left a pattern to the saints that we can live free. 
I'm done with this one now. I promise you this because it's way too late. I'm letting you out of here tonight, so just chill out. It, well, we won't, well, it leaves a pattern to the saints. We can live free. You can live free, live with family and friends, live forever, live forgiven, live fearless. And then let me just give this one, and I'm going to go. It provides a strength. It presents a strength. Live, it, it gives a strength to live faithfully. Christ's resurrection from the dead. Remember what he told his disciples? Something better than me walking beside you every day. I'm going to give you something better. I must rise and go to my father. So he was dead, buried, and not just raised here, but ascended and raised up there. So that when he got there, it wasn't just because that's where he belongs. Because he does belong in the third heaven. He does belong on the throne. By the right hand of the majesty, that's where he does belong. He laid all that aside to come here. That's where he does belong. But, there's a step further than that, Brother John. He didn't just live so he could go occupy a throne or a seat in the heavens. He ascended up there that he could send someone else in his place. That wouldn't walk with you, but would be in you. And so you can not only live, uh, you can not only live in all those things, you live free, but you can live faithfully. Ephesians 1, we're going home. You ready? Ephesians 1. <laughs> Don't you laugh. In whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed by the Holy, with the Holy Spirit of promise. The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. And uh, I gotta, I'm going to skip some of that because that's, can I just give you this then? Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. <laughs> what are you getting at? Well, we could go to Romans 8 and several other places, but I don't want to do that. But he sent another one that was just like him that would live inside of you and give you power to overcome. I believe this as sure as I'm alive. He didn't send the comforter merely to dry your tears up while you're down here. And no, he does. He's the God of all consolation. He's, he will comfort you in all your tribulations. But there's a mighty working power inside of you that was wrought when Christ was raised from the dead. So the same power that raised him is in you. So please explain to me again what our excuse is not to live faithfully. Right? Amen. We don't have any, do we? No. We have Christ living in us, the hope of glory, in the person of, of, of the Spirit of God. And He was given to us that we might have the power to live right. And that's Romans. So we won't go to it because I believe most of you believe that. But you cannot live the Christian life without the power and the life to live it. Right? Amen. And so Christ was raised to give you that power down here. So I said, why? Then tell me, Brother Lee, come on. Then tell me this. Why do we live so defeated? We really do live, you've heard men say, but we live like God's dead and gone out of business. 
He lost control of America. Can't, can't get America back under control. He's lost control in your home. He can't get your family under control. He can't get your sin under control. Can't get you under control. That's how we live. That's not so. Say, well, then tell me this. Which sin is it that the Holy Spirit does not give you power to overcome? Did you know of a verse that says, well, God gave you something, but he shorted you. You're not going to be able to, you're just going to live just as helplessly and bound to sin as you always have. That's not what the Bible teaches, right? That you should no longer serve sin and be servants of sin, but yield your members to unrighteousness now, right? You have the power now to yield yourself in a manner that's acceptable to God and live faithfully and please God. There's no excuses for why you're not or why I'm not, right? Thank God for what he wrote in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Stand to your feet. Don't live defeated anymore. Amen. Well, I can't get over that. I'm telling you, I just keep fighting it till God killed me. Amen. You've got the power in you. I believe that if you're saved. Yes. Don't live defeated. Maybe if you're here this morning, you're trying to carry that load around with you and you're saved, won't you come down here and do what you did when you got saved and go to your advocate? Amen. Get it off of you. You can't carry it around. If you're unsaved, why don't you come and believe on this risen Savior. Lord, we love you. Thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. That where he lives, we can live also. Thank you for the life we have in Christ. Not just the one to come. But I thank you for the life I have now. How you changed me. How you saved me by your marvelous grace. And you changed my life by a great power which was wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead. Thank you for what you've done. Forgive us where we've come short and yielded our members to unrighteousness. Forgive us of those things and help us, Lord, to live and perfect holiness in the fear of God by the power that worketh in us. We love you. If there be any here unsaved, help them, Lord, to believe on Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. One verse if you need to come. Brother Reed's going to sing. What are you singing, Brother Reed? He lives. 164. 164. You sing with him. We'll go home.